Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. And on today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the themes behind the game Dinosaur Island. Yeah, Dinosaur <laughs> Island. We played this last week, I want to say. I think so. I got my... I got my box a while ago, but I haven't really gotten to play it with anybody. I only played it by myself. <laughs> and now we finally got to play with each other. Finally got to play with someone else. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Dinosaur Island, it's pretty much what you would think. Like, you think Dinosaur Island, you're like, oh, that sounds like Jurassic Park. Well, it is. It is uh, Jurassic Park, the, yeah, the board game. Yep. Um, and so your goal is to create the best dinosaur-themed park. Did you Did you own or ever play uh, Dinosaur Tycoon on the computer when you were younger. Was it was it like Mall Tycoon or? It was Mall... like, like all of those Tycoon roller coaster. I never and any did. Of those sim game. We had a demo version of it. Oh we God. had like a disc that had ten demos on our old Mac when we were kids, and I played Dinosaur Tycoon again and again and again. You basically got to play it until you got one dinosaur. Then it was like, and you're done. I know what Spencer's getting for Christmas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're getting Dinosaur Island. Or Dinosaur, what's it called? Tycoon. Tycoon. That's what you're getting. Uh, I'm going to find a way to put it on your Mac. Yes. Yeah, okay. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Yeah, and that's essentially what this board game is. It's an homage to those old games and the concept of Jurassic Park, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And the concept of Jurassic Park comes into play because the idea is that you're actually drafting different types of DNA to put in your cold storage in order to create dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. But then you're also getting money and you upgrade your park and you get different people helping you out like specialists. Uh, and it's pretty much you build like your own engine of sorts with workers and uh, dinosaurs in your park. Yeah, it has a lot of game elements that we see in, in, in games. It has drafting, like you said, with the DNA. It has worker placement as you tell your scientists what to focus on or your workers to focus on for various tasks. There's a little bit of tableau building where you're like there's a blank slate of the island itself and you're putting in the pieces of not only the dinosaur pens, but the hat shop and the di- the dinosaur <laughs> fry stand and uh, things like that that you can fill your park with so that the visitors have something to do other than look at dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's I will say that if you get into it, make sure you read the rules ahead of time because it, it is a little bit crunchier, but mm-hmm. it's it's ultimately it's it's a fun game, especially if you've got a lot of people. Um, so with that, with talking about building your own dinosaur park and, and drafting DNA, um, it's easy to, to think we would talk just straight about dinosaurs. But mm. I think that the real theme of the game, since you're drafting DNA and you're creating dinosaurs out of these DNA, we would like to talk about gene editing and, and where that is now. Right, because we're very clear experts on the topic of gene <laughs> editing. We thought it was appropriate for us to take on a podcast episode where we talk very uh, with an authoritative stance on this topic we did uh very little research no uh (laughs) it's it's a fascinating topic and i mean five-year-old spencer would have loved to just do a dinosaur podcast because he really thought he was going to be a paleontologist but (laughs) where i am right now i've listened enough about gene editing and heard enough about it that i think it's just fascinating as a topic just to to dive into of the why and how we would use it. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, but we'll start with what are we even talking about? Yeah, what is I, this gene editing thing? I think we've I think we've learned enough to, to at least put it down in like layman terms what mm. it is. There's it's they always say it's a very simple process, but I feel like <laughs> they say that, but they're also scientists. So I think the idea is very simple, and I think we can talk about that. So, well, uh, we should actually preface one other thing: is if this is an interesting 
idea to you, this this topic. There is a whole, there's actually two episodes on the Radio Lab podcast that do a fantastic job of really laying this stuff out. So we'll we'll give you the sample, we'll give you the taste, and Radio Lab will feed you afterwards. Yeah, but we'll edit this one to where there'll be some really cool music, just like Radio Lab. Right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're going to start with gene editing as a general practice. Uh, So it's the process of modifying DNA. And it's usually by cutting out DNA that you don't want and then replacing it with ones that you do. Right, because our DNA is this blueprint for who we are. And everything has DNA. Every living organism has DNA. And it's really, really complex. And actually, the complexity of DNA varies wildly between species. Uh, I read recently that onions have more complex DNA than we do, which is very weird and hard for me to understand. Think about all the layers. Exactly. (laughs) But you can imagine then that if there's this really big complex structure or blueprint in you that is mapping out all the parts to you, one little mistake in that blueprint can really cascade into bigger problems. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, and it creates a real domino effect. Right. Yeah, and so as a practice, gene editing is older than you think. You you put, it actually went back to the 1970s, and and they're obviously vastly different than the methods we have nowadays. And uh, and figuring out exactly how to insert or replace bad DNA wasn't fully flushed out like it is today. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they had this idea. It's like like Mike said, this has been going on for a while. They wanted to try and remove these problematic parts of DNA, the things that were causing people issues, and replace them with healthy DNA or healthier replacements. And if you did that, in theory, you could eliminate genetic diseases and disorders with a quick cut and paste more or less is what they were trying to do. I mean, think about that for a second. huge. Eliminate diseases that are at the genetic level. Yeah. Yeah. And so like diseases like Huntington's disease, sickle cell uh, anemia, cystic fibrosis, diabetes, obesity, mood disorders, addiction, Down syndrome. There's tons of stuff, even just like like a lot of hereditary diseases that are passed down through your DNA. Mm -hmm. Like if you know that your mom had cancer, you probably want to take a look at that and there's probably there might be a gene specifically in your DNA that causes that and scientists could find that and snip it. Yeah, so HIV cancer, the, I mean the list goes on in terms of what this could be used. And so Mike said snip and that's really what they think about. This is they are there is essentially molecular scissors that need to cut the double strands of DNA at the problematic site and you just remove it. And then in theory, you have crafted a replacement that will just get pasted in. So very much think of this as just a cut and paste like one would do in a document or anything like that. It is that it's supposed to be that simple. Yeah. Obviously it's not, but that's the idea of it. Yeah, so so the, the process that they use or the tool that they use, they're calling it CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R. Mm-hmm. So CRISPR is one of the the tools that are that are being used right now. I think right now there's about ten different tools. CRISPR is one of the the easiest to understand, and it stands for clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats. Uh huh. Or CRISPR. That's a so lot easier. to we're say. We're gonna just say CRISPR for this. And CRISPR is really fascinating because. Bacteria, one of the two big bad guys, bacteria and viruses, they they compete against one another. And bacteria actually have needed to try and develop 
defenses against viruses. And so they create these sort of repeating sequences of genes of, of their DNA that makes it more difficult for viruses to latch on and essentially destroy them. And we found this. We found this repeating thing and we realized, hey, what if we use this in a certain way to sort of defend ourselves against particular viral threats? Mm-hmm. And so so basically what this does, this cut and paste process, uh, I'm going to explain it to you the way I can scientifically, and then I'm going to give you a very simple layman's term. So uh, a guide RNA leads the CRISPR sequence, the sequence that you've created as a scientist, to the desired location, and then a clean cut is made that replaces with the, the newly formed DNA that you made. And this, this protein called the Cas9 protein actually cuts the spot designated by the guide RNA. So the way I think about it is like it's like a fish hook with a little worm on it, and your worm is cutting through. And that's how all the diagrams mm-hmm. I saw. And the worm is just like breaking up, breaking apart all the DNA until it finds like the spot that matches mm. the opposite of what you're looking for. And then the Cas9 protein is like, imagine like a, a big Pac-Man. Right. And it just bites it at that one spot because it, it knows... And I don't know how it knows. I think it's it's, it's the RNA that's guiding. Yeah, it. Yeah, so, so it knows like which which spot to cut on it's there. It's been programmed mm-hmm. in such a way to find this particular part of the sequence of DNA. Yeah, and it's just like replacing a zipper. You just stick it in, and then it it bonds to itself because it's like okay, we want to fix this, and then the other. What happened to the other piece that you get rid of? Uh, I actually don't recall off the top of my head. I would assume that it is obliterated or destroyed, and you wouldn't let that just kind of float around inside here. That's what I was wondering, because I was looking for that, and I couldn't really find anything. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head what happens with the problematic part, but my assumption is that since it's no longer part of the strand, it can't survive on its own. It would probably be destroyed in some way. Oh, okay. Maybe it takes care of itself. Well, they have so that's that's the idea here is that yeah it's this it's this cut and paste and there are different sequences of CRISPR that are being tested right now. They're trying to use it in a whole host of different scenarios to see what is going to be the most beneficial use to it, um, and they use it with different organisms, different living beings because, like we said earlier, the complexity of organisms is actually quite varied and is not exactly what one assumes, like with the onion versus the human being in terms of DNA complexity. Yeah, also just testing it on humans is kind of a, it's a little gray area right now. Sure. Yeah, just with like a lot of things when it comes to editing stuff inside of our bodies. But that's the cool thing about CRISPR is that one of the uses that is being used right now is, yeah, you can use it on animals and things like that, but you can use it to create cells as well. So, I mean... It is this idea of genetic engineering requires the creation of an artificial strand of DNA. And so they can actually create human cells or create in extracted human cells problems. They can create the problems. They can create these diseases or damaged cells in a lab setting. And then they can really tackle those damaged cells in a very controlled and safe environment rather than having to do it on somebody who actually has one of these diseases. Mm-hmm. Just a practice, practice, practice kind of. For sure. Yeah. So it sounds pretty amazing, this CRISPR. It does, right? Yeah. Like, we should just be piloting this 100%. No. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, I mean, you were just talking about uh, off the podcast. You were you were mentioning before how you have these these very big lectures on ethics, mm-hmm. and and it's 
you could go on and on about ethics because there's so much you can do with CRISPR and editing. Um, think about the movie Gattaca. Uh, if you've ever seen it, see it. Or if you haven't seen it, see it. It's with Uma Thurman, Ethan Hawke. It's even if you have seen it, even see it again. Just see it again. <laughs> just after knowing what CRISPR is and what you can do with it, it's all about like people who have been gene edited and mm. people who haven't. And there's like there's a whole invalid population that aren't these superhumans, basically. But they're not even superhumans. They're just really healthy, going to live longer humans. Right. It's a very different sort of class system that gets established. The second you have the ability to change people at a genetic level to be an ideal, I mean, you you have opened up a can of worms of, well, what is now going to be the ideal? What is, are we going to use this as a gateway in terms of allowing certain things? Now, this is obviously years ahead of where we're sure. at with CRISPR right now. These conversations need to happen now before it gets too out of control. Absolutely. Because, yes, there's the idea, the like, it's exciting to take the idea of, like, what if we use this to remove things like, cancer or HIV from people. And and I think by and large, people are not opposed to curing cancer. Mm-hmm. But there are other situations where maybe that's not the right dialogue that's happening. Yeah. I mean, for example, I remember seeing some, it was, it was a news article or something, but it's the Down syndrome community. Like that's something that you can cure. And with people who have Down syndrome, they're like, does that make us lesser people mm-hmm. because you're trying to cure this thing? There's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me. And it's it's this big conversation because, yeah, you, you, you maybe you don't necessarily want your kid to have Down syndrome. But at the same time, it you have this whole population who it's kind of affecting emotionally and mm-hmm. and I mean, ethically, really, it's 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 a very big conversation and it's very hard to tiptoe around everything to make sure like everybody's happy and on board with what's going on. Right, because I mean, if we get really good at it, then we we do eventually hit that Gattaca point where it is designer babies. Mm -hmm. We're not making babies the old fashioned way anymore. Or even if you are, they're already talking about the implications of being able to change the, the embryo at that stage of being able to recognize like, all right, it looks like there's X percent chance of this manifesting in your child. Oh, Do you like, want us to just remove this? Well, like in Gattaca, when he has the baby, they like put a little needle in his foot and they're like, okay, he's going to die, but he's 45 by a heart complication. Mm-hmm. He's going to have this, that, and the other. And then just go down the list of all the problems, like right as this baby's born. And then uh, you can buy the upgrades yeah. to try and get around them mm-hmm. would be the idea. Yeah. Whew, which is which is kind of <laughs> spooky. It's kind of it's interesting though because there's so much good that can be done, but then obviously there's a lot of problems, a lot of gray areas and sticky mm-hmm. situations that you have to consider with something like gene editing. Yeah, I mean it's it's you can do a lot with it. It's like maybe we find a gene that I I don't want to say measures your intelligence, but like that does affect your intelligence or mm-hmm. affects maybe how emotions process. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much about genes. But like if you do that, like you're basically you could create a personality mm-hmm. in a way yeah. and how well this kid's going to do in school. And if you got more money and you could afford this, if it's not like regularly available for every single hospital, then right. all of a sudden, yeah, you do have this this I mean, we already have a terrible problem with classes with money as it is now. Like imagine, imagine right? <laughs> imagine having a physical like difference between the people. So you, this was all, this is ob- like a super fun conversation, but this was all predicated under the concept of Dinosaur Island, right? Yeah. Of like, 
what if we just use this to make dinosaurs again? Could <laughs> could we do this? Could could we truly extract the DNA from the mosquito caught in the amber? a la Jurassic Park, and make dinosaurs. And you've got a great note here about that idea. (laughs) So scientists right now are actually talking about bringing back the woolly mammoth. Mm -hmm. They have these amazing specimens of woolly mammoths that they found in ice, like very well-preserved woolly mammoths. And they were actually talking about, just like in Jurassic Park, they're talking about using Asian elephant cells to help fill in the DNA places to recreate this animal, which is insane. Just like in Jurassic Park, they get the frog DNA Mm -hmm. and that's why they add it to it. And just like, why? (laughs) Why? It's interesting. I mean, because when you think about it, the woolly mammoth didn't die in terms of the scale of time, that long ago yeah, for us. That's so true. It's it makes sense that there are plenty of well-preserved bodies out there that one could use. Now it's super crazy to think of like dinosaurs because that was millions of years ago. Yeah, we're only thinking in like the hundreds of thousands when we're talking woolly mammoths here in terms of how long ago. So. Yeah, but then the conversation pops up with with well, what about the endangered species or the the species that have been recently killed off. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about since humans came around, like we don't have 90% of the species right. that used to be on the earth. So it's bringing back those species. And it's almost like, well, yeah, we can erase our mistakes or maybe we should just look forward and not think about bringing these back, but maybe not killing the ones that we have now. Yeah. It's interesting. Could we use gene editing, thinking back to another episode we did, to fix pandas? Because we talked quite extensively about how dumb pandas are and how they just don't want to save themselves as a species. Could we somehow use this technology to save them? No, no, no. Just they they have their chance. (laughs) They have had their chance. Well, I think that's all I've got in terms of gene editing. I mean, there's there's a lot more that could be yes. said about gene editing, but in in our beyond the board fashion, we want to keep our episodes shorter so mm-hmm. you guys can move on with your day. Uh, and if you don't have anything else, I don't got anything else. Thank you all for listening to Beyond the Board. If you liked what we talked about and you want to shoot us a line, go ahead and send us an email at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you subscribe, uh, that's awesome. If you want, the biggest thing you can do is leave a review. That really helps us out. Or tell a friend to leave a review. Or tell a friend to just listen, and then they can leave a review. <laughs> Reviews are really nice. Uh, you don't have you can say pretty much anything, but uh, hit that five star rating. We like that. Uh, and if you go, if you want to see us on Instagram, you can follow us at GoingBTV or at WizBotGames because we also create games, and you can find everything and anything that you want to know about us. We literally have our entire lives on there at wizbotgames.com. You think they serve elephant ears at the Woolly Mammoth theme park? What are elephant ears? The food? Yes. They're a fried dough that is, it really is truly just a big disc of fried dough, oftentimes kind of shaped triangle-ish to make it look like a big floppy elephant ears, and then it's covered with powdered sugar. It's the Midwest. That's That's what we do. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.